to really understand what that means. You know, what is truth? Why is it so important? Truth is so important because it is literally the spoken word of our Father in heaven. The spoken word of our Father in heaven that has been given to us to be able to guide us in the way that we should live our lives on this earth. Why is it so important? You look in Scripture and you see several passages that talk to us about the benefits of Scripture. In John chapter 8, verse 31, it says that it gives freedom. From all the times where you've been captive, from all the times where you've been lost, from all the times where you have been uh, restricted by the struggles of life, John 8, verse 31 says that it can give you freedom if you follow it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it says it helps us to grow. Mackie talked about this last night. You know, whenever you look at the scriptures in Timothy and it says, man, it's useful for certain things. And one of the coolest ones that I like there is it's the end. It's useful for, for training you, for training you in righteousness. Why? So that you may be equipped for every good work. So that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. It's there to help us to grow the truth. Also in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22, it says it brings healing. Healing. If you follow it, if you desire it, if you learn to listen to it, if you learn to be somebody who cherishes that truth, it can give you healing. Healing from what? Healing from the oldest pains that you have. You guys are young. Some of us in here are a little bit, uh, you know, longer in tooth, right? Little, uh, uh, the old heads in here. Some of us, as you get older, you're going to have pains that, that reach back far. You call them old pains, old pains that you don't know that you can ever work through or that you can find healing from or that you can, you can get past. And the truth in God's word can help you to heal from that. Psalms 119, it says it aids in the fight against sin and temptation. It helps us to fight against it. Psalms 119 later on in the passage says it brings joy. The happiest moments in my life is where I've embraced the truth and been able to get into the word of God and to be able to experience the family and the love and the relationships that comes from that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, says that it can save us. <clears throat> and if we're going to be a ministry of truth, we have to make sure that we that we learn a few things. And that's what we want to talk with you guys about this morning. We want to be the ministry that stands up for what God says, but we need to make sure that we're also doing it in a way that it presents it in the most vulnerable environment that produces change. So the first thing that we want to share with you guys, if we want to be a ministry of truth, we have to learn to love truth. You got to learn to love it. Whenever I first became a Christian, oh, man, I, I forgot to bring that up here. Who's up this way? Justin Shields. Up on that mezzanine is a black book bag. Okay, first table. Get that black book bag. There's a blue Bible inside of it. Bring that to me. On the hustle, soldier. <laughs> <laughs> you got to learn to love the truth. Um, whenever, you know, whenever I first became a Christian, you know, those years ago, I remember getting into the Word of God and loving it. Man, loving every minute of it, thirsting for it. Um, 
desiring to spend as much time as possible in it. I remember, I remember like, it's a long story, but I would read it in the most obscure places, you know? I would think, at the moment, at the time, whenever I first committed my life to Christ, I started reading at all these places where I used to do all these horrible things, you know, where I'd be at parties, or I'd be at my friend's houses, or I'd be working at the Pawnee Food Center back in the meat room, and I'd be reading this Bible, learning and desiring and loving the truth in a way that I couldn't stop. I couldn't, I couldn't help but dig into it. I remember whenever Ashley, thank you, sir. I remember whenever Ashley, when I first met Ashley, uh, I, I thought, I, I knew that she was going to love me. Mm-hmm. I did. It's confident. I was, I was confident, maybe a little more arrogant than confident. Um, but, but I also knew that I really loved her at that first moment. Whenever I saw her. Yes, you did. I did. In the... <laughs> nope. Keep going. <sighs> love shows up in lots of different ways. Love shows up and manifests itself in lots of different ways. And the way that you love things is the, when you think of that something that you really love, that is exactly how and more the way that you should treat the word of the Lord. To love that truth. Ash, I got this Bible in 2002. Some of you, I don't know, some of you might not have been born. I know some of you weren't born. And, um, man, I've had lots of Bibles, but this one means a lot to me. It means a lot to me. I don't, some of you older, uh, some, of you, some of you older youth ministry uh, kids who are in campus ministry and farther on, you know, I've sat and I've studied the word out of this book with you. I sat and I studied the word with my father out of this book. And the truth is something that we need to make sure in every aspect of our life that we learn to love it and we learn to cherish it. Um, I just, since I didn't really get to shake out my nerves a little bit, you know, I, when I got the topic for this lesson, I automatically just, you can ask any of my um, fellow youth leader girls, I've just been really stressing over it, um, connecting it, and just, just, I think what it came down to is it, it's so important, so important to me. Um, I know it's so important to God that I just don't want to do it a disservice, you know? I don't want, I, this is an important issue in, within our culture today, especially truth and the battle on truth, and so I just, wanted, I just want to give you guys something that you walk away from today, and I just, that you walk away, you know, different or with a different thought, and I may beat up on you a little bit, but know that I'm beating up on myself, too. Um, so when you love truth, you know, like RJ's saying, when you love anything, you know, it shows. It shows that you, you put your time into it. You know, it's something that you want to get, you desire. You don't have to be pushed to love something, you know, often. It's just something that normally can kind of come, kind of come natural. But I want you guys to do an honest self-evaluation. Do I need to do something different with this, you think? Am I, do I have it on wrong? Okay, I'm hearing some feedback. That's all right. Um, do an honest self-evaluation and ask, um, do I treat God's word as if I love it? Do I treat God's word, his Bible, as if I love it? Do I know how to navigate the word of God? If you were to compare the time that you spend discovering truth in God's word with the time you spend doing other things, how would it balance out? Because I know that some of you all 
know how to navigate TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, Amazon, <clears throat> more than you do the Word of God, as if life comes from those things, but not the other. We know more about calorie counting, our way around the gym, how to lift, than we know our way around scriptures. When it comes to sports, I bet you know about every route. You make the practices, every game, every film, but little training is given into your word of God. Some of you can take on a full-on photo shoot, and I've witnessed it, within about five minutes, have them edited and uploaded, like the back of your hand, but you don't look into the filter of God. You couldn't walk your way around that for the life of you. I don't really know what it means, but some of you can go into Fortnite World and get five bazillion battle royales. What is that what it is? I think that's two separate. Oh, okay. Five million. You, oh, you, okay, I'm, you're in the right world. You walk around that world. You know it. You know it in and out. But you don't know nothing about the word. You couldn't tell me a scripture right now if I asked you without having to search through your Bible app. See, we know the ins and outs of, you get where I'm going? We know the ins and outs of reality shows, television series. We can spit lyrics. Is that a word, Tizel? It was a, it was a thing when I was young. You spit that lyric, spit that rhyme. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You can, you can tell me all day long the lyrics to a song, but you don't know where God stands on issues. We give honor and value and love and time so all these things as if they formed you, as if those things sacrificed themselves for you, as if those things bring the healing, the freedom, the life, the fullness that RJ talked about, as if those things are going to wind up giving you or offering you an eternity of peace. And we got to flip a switch on that. That's a TikTok too, right? I just flipped this switch, something that I want right? But we do, we get, yeah, oh my gosh, my kid is down here like red. Shut up, please. Don't make me start dancing. I'm not saying. But we do, you guys, we have to change our mindset and we have to go, man, I love these things, but do I love the word of God, the thing that I stand here and I worship to him and everything else when it's easy, but when it comes down to the nitty gritty and getting into my word, do I love it and give it my affection and my time? You know, think about your go-to person for wisdom in God's word, okay? Most of us have that person, right? That person where we go, man, I'm not really getting this or I have a, I have a question. You should have those people. This is not a wrong thing. Also, let me say, it's not wrong to have Instagram and TikTok and all that, and, and it's not wrong to have Amazon. It's not wrong to have these things, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm about it, but, but it shouldn't be the thing in our lives, all right? But going back to that, think about that person. You should have these people. They're your go-tos. You seek them, you know, their counsel, their wisdom. Get them in your head. You got a picture of them, everybody? Got that picture of your person? Yes? So give me some feedback. Yeah? You got them? All right, all right, close your eyes. Just give, give me a second. Anytime you need them, they're there. They're going to speak the word of God into you, okay? And just like that, let's just pretend every single one of them are gone. Boom, open your eyes. No longer. They're gone tonight. They're not here anymore. For me, it would have been like the John Claytons of this world. You know, does God exist? The guy that when I was in high school and had no 
desire, you guys. I was beat up by the world, and I was done. And I was looking for an out. I didn't want to have faith. But there was men like John Clayton who was like, hey, there's a reason to believe, and I can show you. And I sat, and I couldn't help but find my way back to knowing God and his power. For me, it was them. It's, it's Mike Napier's. It's Eflagard Smith's. It's, you know, for you guys, I don't know. It's the Carries, the Jakes, who, whoever's in your corner. You know, the RJs, the, the Matts, the TCs, the, the Roberts, you name it. Like that, they're gone. In 2 Timothy 1, 13 through 14, Paul writes Timothy, and he says, Keep a firm hold on the pattern of healthy teaching, which you heard from me in the faith and love which are in King Jesus. You have had something very important entrusted to you. Make sure you look after it through the Holy Spirit who dwells within you. Paul tells Timothy, I have entrusted this to you to hold firmly to the teachings of the truth. I've given you something important. You guys are given something important through these people, much like Paul, to Timothy. But do you look after it? Do, do you, are, you, are you really taking and doing something with that, that trust that's been given to you? Well, you all have been so in love with God's word and his truth that if all those people were gone within our leadership, all the older people, our core, everything amongst all the churches, if they were gone, if it was left to you, could you stand in the gap and answer for the word of God? Or would our church just crumble because we have no basis in love for truth? We have a lot of different groups in this room. Look around. You have junior high, you have high school, you have campus, you have adults all needing one another and needing the older group of people to be able to look to for truth. Not hypocrisy, not anything else, but for their love of God and his word and his truth. And here's the thing. If, if I were to die tonight, I know this is dark, but if I were to die tonight, you guys, I need to know that if RJ and I were gone, that my children would have someone to be able to give them real answers and real truth and not a watered-down faith. I need to know they were cared for. That would fall on you. And it's a heavy, heavy burden to bear and responsibility, but it's one of the greatest, most delightful things that you guys can get into. And that's in Psalms 1-2, it says that, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it both day and night. God's word, you guys, it's, it's, it's necessary, but it's also exciting. So get into it. Read it. Don't just, I mean, books are great, and you should read books because often they help deal with a lot of specific issues and things like that. But listen, don't neglect just getting in your word and reading it line by line, scripture by scripture. Sometimes it's hard, but you know what? You're capable. You can do it. And you can look and you can find even deeper truths in knowing God. Listen to podcasts from, from people who are doctrinally sound, who are going to feed the word of God into you. I read a book called Day of War. Have any of you guys read that? It's not like the exact scriptures, but it's the story of David. And I read it, and I just was in, like encaptured into the storyline of what it could have been like to be in the, in the Bible in that time. And it made it exciting, and it made it relevant, and it made me love it again. So loving truth, you guys, loving truth means that you have to know it. You have to take the steps to know it, and you have to take on the responsibility of knowing it. 
Um, you know, something else when it comes to loving truth, you know, aside from just knowing it, another way that you can love truth is just making sure that you understand that truth is truth, right? I mean, lots of people say nowadays, you know, well, my version of the truth, or that's your version of the truth, my version of the truth. Truth in its essence is exclusive. There's not multiple. You can't have multiple answers in most scenarios of life and claim that both are true. Um, there's a there's an old story uh, back in the late 1800s. There was a bank robber uh, from Mexico who was coming up into Texas, and he was stealing uh, tons of money and robbing banks, right? name was Jose Rivera. So this Texas sheriff goes down into Mexico searching for Jose, really bouncing from bar to bar to bar to bar. Finally, he gets into this bar. He thinks that Jose Rivera is going to be in there. Uh, he goes up to the bartender and he says, hey, I'm a sheriff from Texas, and I'm looking for Jose Rivera. Is he here? Bartender looks over at the table and says, that, that's, that's Jose Rivera, right? That gentleman right over there in the hat, that's Jose Rivera. But I got to let you know, he doesn't speak any English. So Texas sheriff comes up to the bartender and says, well, you, you, speak, uh, you speak Spanish, right? Can you translate for us? So they go over there to Jose Rivera, and uh, translator says, uh, this Texas sheriff wants to know if you're Jose Rivera. Jose Rivera says, well, yeah, I am. Why? Interpreter looks up to the Texas sheriff, says, uh, yeah, this is Jose Rivera. He says, why? He says, well, I'm here because uh, I'm wanting to collect all these bags of money. All these bags of money you've been stealing from all these banks, I'm trying to get them collected. I want every penny of them. I want every penny, every nickel, every dime, every dollar. Tell me where these bags are, and if you don't tell me, I'm going to shoot to kill. So the translator, you know, says all these things back to uh, Jose Rivera. Jose Rivera says, okay, all right. If you go out this bar, you turn to the left, you walk a mile up the road, and you'll see a well. If you turn to the right you'll see a big tree. And just in between that tree and in that well, if you dig three feet down, you'll find a big concrete encasement. All the bags of money is there. Go ahead and take them and leave me alone. So the interpreter comes back to uh, the Texas sheriff and says, Jose Rivera says, shoot to kill. I can tell that some of you got it and some of you didn't. <laughs> I don't have to necessarily break that down for most of you because, because you're laughing and you understand what, I, what hopefully I was trying to convey. My point is this, is that when truth doesn't fit your purpose, all of a sudden it doesn't matter. We have to make sure that we are a ministry that understands that truth is truth. Francis Chan says that when I disagree with something in God's word, I assume that I'm wrong. You know, when it comes to the truth, it's not about our feelings. When it comes to the word of God and what it says and how it directs us and how it guides us, it's not about our thoughts at that moment. It's not about what we're going through at that moment. You have to make sure that you understand that truth is truth. And just because it doesn't fit your purpose at that moment doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. You still have to obey it. You still have to follow it. You still have to live by it. Um, and a lot of times, guys, where, you know, all of us have been on opposite ends of that 
the, the stick of truth, right? If you're the person on the opposite end that all these lies are being told about you, and you know that they're lies, and they truly are lies, people are being dishonest, what is our response? We fight for the justice to know what the truth actually is, right? Someone's lying about you and, telling, and, and not saying the truth. You fight to get the truth out, right? All of a sudden, the truth matters, so I'm going to fight for it. Now flip the coin on the other side of the stick. If you're on the side where truth is a little bit more in your favor and you have an opportunity, now what do you do with the truth? Sometimes we decide it's best to distort it a little bit. It's best to get it to fit into our purpose, into our agenda. But God says truth can't be that way. It has to simply be truth. When we're tempted to be to, to the to the contrary of God's word and to public opinion and to politics and to all the things that are out there in culture today, it is so important to make sure that you hold on to the word of God for what it is. Knowing this is a good quote from somebody, um, it says, when it comes to the truth of God's word, it's not about our feelings, it's, it's about the facts. It's not about what is subjectively felt but what is objectively true. Ashley Catazon. I didn't say that. Oh, which one did you say? Not that. Did you say the other one? I don't know. You said that. I don't think so. Go on. Is it my turn? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, so in order to be a ministry of truth, we have to first, yeah, it's not, love the truth. But the, the second thing that we need to do is continually live the truth. There's a difference. Um, I'm going to jump around a little bit in Romans 1.18. I would encourage you guys to go back later and kind of read down through the rest of Romans, even just Romans 1 and some of 2. But um, just for sake of time purpose, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to kind of jump around. So I want to read something to you. This is Paul writing, and he says this. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. For although they knew God, catch that? We just talked about that above, right? Like we, they knew God, but wait, there's more. They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they knew and know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. That's, I could stop now. It's a very powerful, powerful scripture. See, these people, they knew the truth. They came to the seminars. They went to their small groups. They went to their cross chats. They attended. They generally knew truth, and probably a lot more extensively than even we do, if we're being honest. They knew truth. Awesome. Cool. They knew it. 
Their mistake, though, their big, big mistake was not loving the truth enough to live it in their day-to-day lives. So in their arrogance, they made a choice to act outside of truth, and the results, you guys, the results were devastating to them. They exchanged the truth for a lie. It says that they traded it in. And just ask yourself, just, you know, as a side note, what is the lie that you have traded God in for? You guys, our culture is trading in God's truth like it's chump change. And, there, and we're so ignorant to God's truth when it comes to the, the depths of it and to us that we don't even know it. We're just, we're just go, oh yeah, that seems okay. That seems, that seems all right. And God is, I, God is up and he's, I guarantee you he's looking down going, oh my gosh, you guys, it's so far off. It's so far off from what I've spoken. You know, you hear, well, the Bible doesn't really say that. That's not the right context. That word doesn't actually mean that you'll go to hell if you live that life. You know, but the Bible, it really isn't like relevant to today's times. They didn't really have the problems that we had, you know, today. Well, they didn't, not like we had, but I mean, they were burning people and lighting them on fire for parties. So pretty sure they had some pretty relevant problems. You know, they bought into that because they didn't love the word enough to live it. And, and it wrecked their lives. You guys, we've seen this over and over. People who should be here today, who we look around and they're empty seats. They once walked in truth, but they weren't grounded in, in, in determined to live truth. They made compromises to that truth. And we've seen the devastation, like, a, like the above passage that I read, that it has brought into their lives. And don't, don't get arrogant and think that if you're not living it, if you're not living it, that somehow you're above that. That's not the ministry we want to be, is it? A ministry that just speaks truth and knows it, but we don't live it? When we don't think it's worthwhile, you guys, it says that they didn't think it was worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. Is it worthwhile to you? And, and, I, and I'm, when I said I was beating you up, I really am beating myself up. When I read this, part of me is like, I have no business to some degree getting up here and speaking the word of God. But really, none of us do. And yet we're called to do our best. It is worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. The word retain means to absorb. That means it becomes within you. It becomes a part of you. We, get, we, have to, we have to do these things, you guys, or we make ourselves so vulnerable and at risk to the evil one and to his schemes. And before you know it, there'll be more empty seats because we didn't take it seriously and we didn't live it. We didn't love it. We didn't live it. Picking up in Romans chapter 2, kind of bouncing around through 17 through 24, it says this. Now listen to what I'm telling you. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God... If you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor for the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? 
You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. What's going on there in Romans chapter 2? Paul, in a nutshell, is saying, are you practicing what you preach? You who are teachers, are you not teaching yourself? How can I or Ashley or any of us who are up here instructing you guys this weekend actually teach you the word of God if not at home we are teaching ourselves the word of God? How can you go out into the public and proclaim and say you should not do this, you should do this when you yourself are not doing this and that? How can you do that? How can you do that with a clear conscience? Truth has to be lived out. I can't tell you how many times I heard a sermon whenever I was younger, and actually it was more like mass, you know, I grew up in that faith, but you hear these things and you never saw it. People don't always want to hear you tell them a sermon, they want to see you live it. They want you to be the person who is the example. And here in Romans, Paul is telling us, and he's saying, hey, listen, if you're not got these things straightened out in your life, don't tell me about the truth whenever you don't admire it and admonish it and live by it yourself. Gandhi says this, Mahatma Gandhi says this, man, I love your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are unlike him. That's powerful words. I just wonder sometimes how many, how many of us would be that Christian that is pushing the likeness of God away and pushing people away because we don't live it. It's good to know the truth. It's good to love the truth. But you have to make sure that you live the truth out. And if you don't, later on in that passage in Romans chapter 2, Paul is telling us, man, the Gentiles out there, the people who are unsaved, they blaspheme God. They dislike God. They push him off to the side simply because they see you. Not a mirror of the Lord. After we've learned to love the truth, and after knowing the truth, and after we've learned uh, to live that truth, the next thing we want to talk with you guys about is making sure that we boldly profess the truth. We speak it. So um, the word the word profet, or profess actually means to affirm one's faith in or allegiance to a set of beliefs. So when I think of an allegiance, I think like nothing comes between you and the other, right? That's your, that's your ally. I will go to war with you. I will go to the depths with you. Um, and when I, when I compare that to just like the allegiance for God and being bold and professing, professing his truth, I wonder why don't, like, why don't we? Why don't we, why don't we feel comfortable professing and speaking God's truth? And I think, is it possible, I think we've got to ask ourselves, is it possible that if we don't really profess truth, is it because at our core we really don't have an allegiance to truth? We have an allegiance to self, our own feelings, our own motives, our own comfort. The prophet Jeremiah wrote in, 20, in uh, Jeremiah 20, verse 8 through 9, and he says, Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. 
But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Are you weary of holding God's word in? It's like a fire shut up in your bones. Because, I mean, the prophet Jeremiah here, I mean, they had it rough. Prophets were being stoned and everything else. So he's encountering a lot of issues here. And it's not, and I, Again, I don't want to downplay what we're going through in today's culture. I believe that we are that truth is being attacked. I 100% believe that Satan is using social media and politics and news outlets and the church in, in numerous ways to distort God's word and his truth. And we are under fire. We are under attack. But it's nothing new. This is nothing, this is nothing new. This has been going on. For, for thousands of years. And Jeremiah is sitting there and he's going, the Lord, the, the truth has brought me insult and reproach all the time. Listen, if you are comfortable and you're proclaiming God means that the world doesn't go, eh, I don't like that, you are not really proclaiming God's truth probably. Now, some people will just be receptive. You know, you're going to have those people, the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, those guys that are just like, yeah, give it to me straight. I want all the truth. But the majority of the time, what does the Bible say? Wide and narrow roads. The people are not going to like you for speaking and proclaiming truth to them. And if you haven't encountered this yet, I would challenge you to see if you are actually speaking God's truth or if you have watered it down just like Satan has longed for you to. Just to conform. Because even the prophet Jeremiah goes, I don't like this. <laughs> it's, it's hard. But I, and he even entertained the thought, maybe, just maybe I won't, maybe I'll try not to speak it today. <laughs> you know, like, just give me a break. Maybe I don't have to, to have the world come at me for being a believer just today. And he goes, I tried that, but it's so built up inside me. It's like a fire in my bones, and I can't let it out. But let me go back to the first question I asked. Are you weary of holding God's truth in? Or is it just another walk in the park? You're not weary of it because it's not within you. You're not aligned with it. It's not your ally. So why profess something that you don't really know or care about anyway? And we got to do some really major heart checks with these things, you guys. Um. I think, you know, on top of that, listen, sometimes we think that remaining silent is also not a big deal because, hey, I'm just going to live a righteous life myself. You know what I mean? Like, I'm okay. I can, I'm just going to do what God wants quietly over here, and, and I'm going to get to heaven, and, and it'll be great for me, right? So I don't really have to, like, address the world. I don't have to really profess to the world because I'm just going to be here and remain in my little bubble and, 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 and my example, my example will save people and tell them truth. Okay, true. To some degree, your example does speak volumes, right? We just talked about the before, living truth. And you're like, where are you going with this, Ashley? Well, Jesus was perfect, you guys. He was perfect. He walked the earth. He was flawless in all the things. But he opened his mouth. What makes you think that just being a good little Christian doesn't require you opening your mouth? It doesn't, it doesn't work. It, doesn't, it does not work like that, you guys. Being silent is just 
is damning to the world around us as boisterously speaking out and not having the example to back it. It is not loving, listen, it is not loving to withhold God's truth from a lost world out of fear that it will offend them or put you in a bad place. It is not loving when you walk away from knowledge, when, when someone walks away from knowledge and the truth of God and a relationship with God and somehow we find a way to celebrate their sin or something that God deemed unholy. And that shows up in a lot of ways. And I'm watching it as I scroll through my Facebook feed on the regular. A Facebook, I'm old, whatever, I'm on Instagram too, you do it there too. It can be done in a lot of ways. It can be done with the Insta heart, it can be done with a Facebook like, it can be with the TikToks you replicate that you know good and well you shouldn't be. It can be done with the support that you openly throw a twisted political party, a twisted organization, an outspoken public figure, a newly released book, without first seeking to know if they mirror the platform of the Word of God. These are issues that we have within this ministry and within our church. And we're going to walk away from this, and we won't be a ministry of truth. We'll be a ministry just like every church out there that has watered down the Word of God. And when we stand before the throne of God, we have to answer for it. We have to stand before God and go, I just wanted to fit in. So I let them go to hell, or I just wanted to make them know that I love them. You, there are plenty of ways to let people know that you love them without forsaking truth. It is not love. Stop doing it. You're going to walk and hold their hand up to the judgment throne and tell them the whole time I didn't say anything to you and I liked your posts that were a blatant sin? And I'm going to walk you up to the throne of God and be like, here you go, you can go to hell, but I loved you. It's a joke. And it is something that we have bought into, and I have had to watch my heart in. Because you guys, I want to be liked too. I don't like being persecuted and lied about. That sits in me. I struggle with, like, all my life I've struggled with a depression from those things, feeling unworthy and capable, just wanting to be loved. It is hard to be bold when you struggle with those things. This is coming from weakness. But we are made stronger than that. And I know we are made stronger than that because God dwells within us. And he gives us that boldness to profess and, and align with the word of God. And to speak it. So how do we coincide proclaiming truth in a way that shows grace? I know we're going over. I'm really sorry. Whoever's uh, teaching after us, just uh, take out a couple of the points (laughs) that you have. And uh, we should catch up on time, okay? How does, this is important, you know, so I'm not going to back down from it. We're going to stay up here and talk about it. So Ashley says, how do you coincide? We're going to, how do you coincide with proclaiming truth and also showing grace? You do it the exact way that Jesus did. In John chapter one, verse 14, it says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus became flesh. The word Jesus became flesh dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father And John ends it with this, full of grace and truth. 
What does it mean to be full of grace and truth? It means everything that Ashley just talked about with a strong stance on what your Father in heaven has spoken to be firmly solid in morals, in ethics, in, in, in being the light in the darkness. You can't waver from that. You have to stand strong on that truth, but you do have to be gracious in presenting it. You do have to be someone who makes sure that every word that you give them is a gift that they can open and receive. I feel like this is like good cop, bad cop. You sound so nice. <laughs> it's, you know, I was thinking like, parent, you know, parents, everybody, here's the deal, okay? So everybody leans and is kind of oriented to lean maybe a little bit more towards truth and a little bit more towards grace. The people being truth, sometimes as Christians, we can be very harsh. We can be very judgmental. We can be legalistic with our truth that pushes people away. On the other side, if you lean more towards grace, you can be that Christian who wants to be friends with everybody, who never challenges anything, who literally holds the hand of the person that you say and you claim that you love right off the cliff of sin that they're walking towards. Which one is better? God would say neither. You have to be full of grace and truth. With our kids, you know, think if you, ever, if you, uh, if you grew up in a family with a... Uh, you know, you know, you got your parents, right? Your mom and your dad. Is, was one more, uh, more of the truth giver and one more of the grace giver? Yeah. Right? You know which ones was which, right? Man, I tell you what, if, if you wanted something, you would go to the grace giver. <laughs> if you, if you, uh, if, if you needed, like, if you needed to confess something, you would go to the grace giver. You know, if your sibling did something wrong, you go to the truth giver because there has to be justice. This has to be made right. Do you understand? Do you see the, do you see the dilemma in truth? When it doesn't fit our purpose, all of a sudden it doesn't matter. When you see scripture and when you look at Jesus, it all mattered because everybody mattered. I think that Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, says, the devil doesn't care which side of the horse you fall off of as long as you fall off of it. And I think it's important to make sure that your feet are saddled deeply on both sides of the stirrup, right? Truth and grace. The goal is repentance. The goal is reconciliation. The goal is to be able to bring people back to your Father in heaven. If you have pain, then you have a Savior. If you have a Savior, then you have an opportunity for redemption. If you have redemption, you have an opportunity for restoration and reconciliation. And that reconciliation is always supposed to be tied back to our Father in heaven. How do you get there with people? You boldly proclaim the truth and you hold firm to it but you do it with the tongue of grace, the grace that has been given to you over and over and over again. It's a good thing that our Father in heaven didn't come down in flesh and just be the judgment to say you did wrong, you're done. Instead, he took all of our punishments and he took it to the cross and he gave us that forgiveness and he gave us that healing there. 
Why? So in turn, we can pass that along to others. It's tough growing up in this, in this world, whether or not you are the older person here in this room or the youngest person in this room. Life is going to be hard, but you can firmly rely on the truth of God's word because it is solid, time-tested and stamped. You can also make sure that as you present that truth, that you passionately let people know that you want to extend grace to them, that you want them to have that reconciliation, and it has to be a combination of both. I don't know where we're at here. I know. <laughs> um, so I want to just kind of close in saying this. What? Do you want to say something? Oh, I mean, you didn't. Yeah. It looks two ways, showing grace. I think one, it looks like Jesus. Okay, it looks like Jesus. When Jesus encounters the lost, I'm just going to cap it up real quick. When Jesus encounters the lost, go look how he encounters the lost in sin. You have, you have examples of the Samaritan woman. All right, mm. he goes to her. He says very clear things. Yeah. Hey, woman, you got like, you've got like five. They weren't even your husband. You're sleeping around. He's very straight. He, he addresses her sin, but he does it in a way, like RJ was saying, that brings about redemption for her. She I'm going to say something with that, too. Okay. Good. That's that it brought about redemption. It brought about that redemption. But I that's that's I was supposed to talk about this. and I forgot to skip past it Um, with with that woman, with that Samaritan woman and the people that she was around in the community and in the school, fill your campus, you know, fill in a gap or fill in the space wherever you kind of live. Right. You live on school grounds, campus grounds, whatever. Okay, you know, those people, you know, you you know, this woman. Right. What was the difference whenever the community of people said, hey, lady, you are sleeping around. You're kind of like a, you're a whore. What was the difference in the truth that they said to her and the truth that Jesus said to her? Were both accurate? Both were accurate. But I think one lacked grace and one gave it. You can speak the truth and proclaim the exact same thing, and it can either bring healing or it can bring death and push people away. Jesus had a way of encouraging people to humility without humiliating them. And we have to make sure that we learn to do the same. Holding on to the truth firmly, being strong in that, not wavering from that, but making sure that we are sprinkling it with the grace and the love that has been extended to us time and time again. If we want to be a ministry of truth, we have to love the truth. We have to live the truth, and we have to profess the truth with grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be able to get into your word, to be able to speak with my bride uh, that constantly reminds me of of your grace and what you've blessed me with, God. She points me in the right direction so many times. In this lesson, she's pointed me in the right direction. And she's spoke with fire and passion because she deeply loves you and she deeply loves people. God, I pray that uh, as we've shared your word and we've shared that truth, Father, I pray that it has fallen on soft hearts in this crowd and that it is applied to their lives, knowing that they can confidently go back and trust it, trust you, trust your word, trust your truth, 
and make sure that they're living in a way that allows people to turn back to you rather than run from you. Help us to be the men and women that you want us to be. Father, keep us safe, keep us protective, give us your spirit. In praise in your son's name, amen.